Well, good morning, everyone. It is wonderful to be here with you again this morning. It's a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord and to be with you. Uh, let's turn our attention to the word of the Lord this morning. And uh, if you have your Bible or your uh, smartphone device, uh, which again, not for Candy Crunch or whatever that's called, um, but if you want to join us, um, there's also a Bible located right in front of you. If you would take that and turn to the first book of the New Testament, which will be about two-thirds of the way through. In fact, I'll find the page for you here. Uh, if you would go to page 684, 684, we are going through a study of the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the most famous passages in the Bible. Um, and also, as I've said multiple times, uh, you know, it's, it's a beloved part. What's that? Matthew chapter 6 is where we're at. It's Matthew 5 through 7. Never said the actual reference. Thank you. So Matthew 5 through 7 encompasses the Sermon on the Mount, which is, again, one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. At least generally people know about the Sermon on the Mount. But as I've mentioned many times, have you actually read the Sermon on the Mount? Because if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you'll discover things in there that will guaranteed begin to, uh, you know, they will, they will confront some deep uh, understandings that you have. But as I mentioned earlier in the, in the service today, um, the Lord is about bringing forth transformation. He doesn't simply... Uh, communicate information, and I'm not really interested in simply communicating information to you this morning, but God loves us so much that he does not want to leave us the way we are. He wants us to, to experience ongoing transformation of our lives so that we can become the fullness of the destiny and calling that he has given to us. So um, kids, by the way, are there any, any kids who need a, uh, a, a worksheet this morning? You got worksheets? Okay, so I need an usher to help me. Um, okay, is there any, yep, okay, we got some, anybody else need a worksheet this morning? All right, any of the young folk who need worksheets? All right, some of you are kind of old young folk, I see those gray-haired folks raising their hand, no, no, yeah, no, just, just kidding, all right, all right, so, um, this morning we are coming to a portion of the scripture in Matthew chapter 6, that is pretty well known to folks, or at least portions of this are, but we're going to unpack it this morning in the context of true security. And so we're going to be looking this morning at Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 24. I'm reading out of the New International Version. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and God and mammon. In this particular passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning, 
Jesus presents us with an invitation to reorient our lives away from being consumers. And a consumer is one who acquires and protects and stores more and more stuff to being contributors who receive and surrender and give away their very lives. Now this is probably, perhaps, one of the most challenging messages for us to hear in the context of our culture, American culture, which is the most consumer society that has ever graced the face of the earth in all of history. So we are being called here to something quite radical. We are being called to reorient ourselves away from that consumer mentality to being contributors. But here's what I want to have you begin to think about as we walk through this journey of the message this morning. The real issue that, will, that, that, that um, captures our heart, the thing that that makes that reorientation difficult for us is this issue of security. Because each and every one of us, in fact, every human being on earth, longs for security. It's one of our basic human needs is for security. And the offer that is made particularly in the context of our culture, is the offer of security through material goods. In fact, we have a Securities and Exchange Commission, which has to do with securities, you know, are are a, are a, a financial instrument which you can purchase or get a hold of, which provide you with what? Security. Come on, people. This isn't, you know, it wasn't a trick question, all right? This was an obvious one, all right? Everybody was like, wait a minute. Jesus? No, no, that can't be the right answer right now. Okay. No, security, all right? Because people are looking for, we're all longing for security. So if I just get a hold of these securities, tell me, what do you put your money in? A bank, but what, what, like if you have in your home, if you have something that's about this big, what do they call it? A safe. Isn't that interesting? What was somebody else hollering out there? Uh, a wallet, yeah, well, yeah, that too. But that's not as safe as a safe, okay? Right? But we put our money, and so, I mean, we talk about this. I mean, we think of the terms that we use related to money, securities, safety, our safety deposit box. I'm putting my things for safety. So our security, our safety, gets all unconsciously wrapped up in our stuff. In our things. And unconsciously, our culture has said that the one with the most toys at the end wins. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. Have you ever seen a hearse driving down the street pulling a U-Haul? 
Because when your dad, your stuff ain't going with you. And there is no security or safety to truly be found there. So Jesus invites us to this radical reorientation of our lives. Whew, this is going to be hard for us. But he just, he's interested in us beginning to turn around the reorientation, the repentance means turning around. He wants to invite us to begin turning around and beginning to take steps towards a fresh understanding of where true security really lies. All right, so let's, uh, let's look at three issues related to, the, to, to security. Actually, it'll be four, but it'll, I'll cover one of them, two of them in, in one piece. All right, so the first issue is that of priority. Let's go back to the scripture. You've got it before you. Keep it there. Let's look at it. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Isn't that interesting? So let's, let's look at that for a moment. Okay, so don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. So, so there's nothing, there's no security, there's no safety, there's no place that is so secure that, that a thief cannot get in and steal it. There's no goods that you have that over time that, that moths or vermin or other things will destroy. And, and again, in the context of what Jesus is talking, people found most of their possession security in the context of clothing or, 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 or goods or grains or corn. And, and if you had enough corn and all of those kinds of things. And, and Jesus is saying, there's nothing there that is going to be fully safe and secure because moth and vermin can get in there and destroy. Now it's interesting, the word consumer comes from the root word what? To consume. And what does consume mean? Consume means to actually destroy. Here's the irony of it, folks. We live in a culture that is promoting actually our own destruction without us even realizing it because we're consuming things and we're using them up and then we throw them away and then there's more that we have to get and we have to get and we have to get and we have to get. And then we got to store it all. I read a statistic that, I don't know if it shocks you, but it kind of shocks me. We have, in America... Personal storage space. There is 2.1 billion cubic square feet of storage space in America. Did you hear that? 2.1 billion. That's personal storage space to store people's stuff. That's a whole lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. In fact, the roofs, if you took the roof of the personal storage space, every person in America could stand under, if that roof was contiguous, every human being in America could stand under the roofs of our personal storage lockers stuff. That's a lot of storage, people. So the, the key issue here, and this is so interesting, 
Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The, the key here has to do with our heart. And what we invest our lives in, there's another word that has financial implications, but it also has life implications. What we invest our lives in, that's where our heart will go. You can invest your life in stuff, or you can invest your lives in God and in people and the things that matter, that truly matter, that have eternal significance. Where your treasure is, where you're investing yourself, that's where your heart is going to be at. So here's some questions for us to sit with this morning. What is of central importance to me? What is of central importance to me? Because the heart is that which is, that, that's, you know, the, the connotation there is what is most important, what is central, what satisfies my heart's desire? Is it the next toy? I mean, you know, all of you know that how technologically challenged I am, but you know, I've, I've got this new device, you know, that's just a marvel of engineering, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's cool, you know, it's great, okay? But the thing about it is, you know, and it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's a great gift, and probably it's already, there's like 47 iterations of stuff beyond that already happening, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's always something new, something more, something better, something bigger. There's always something. And in my, you know, we live in a culture, again, that, that cultivates dissatisfaction and discontentment. So the question is, what does satisfies my heart's desire? And, and then this question, which I really, really gets kind of at the heart of things, uh, no pun intended, well, maybe pun intended, because the key here is the heart. What does my heart, what is I, where do I long for security? There's a longing in us for security. That is a natural human instinct and desire put in there by God. Where do I long to find my security? Go to Isaiah 33 if you have a, a, your Bible. I'm not going to put it up there, but I'd like to reference it this morning because I think it's an important scripture in light of this. Isaiah 33, 1 to, to 6. Listen carefully. Listen with me. Woe to you, destroyer, you who have not been destroyed. Woe to you, betrayer, you who have not been betrayed. When you stop destroying, you'll be destroyed. When you stop betraying, you'll be betrayed. Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in times of distress. At the uproar of your army, the peoples flee. When you rise up, the nations scatter. Your, you, your plunder, O nations, is harvested as by young locusts. Like a swarm of locusts, people pounce on it. In other words, those of you that have been doing evil, those of you that have been, been supposedly prospering on the backs of the poor and on the backs of the others, those of you who have been, been lying and deceiving and destroying and betraying, Things are not going to work out so well for you because God is a God of justice. And then it says, the Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his righteousness and justice. Listen to verse 6. Here's what your heart and my heart needs to hear today. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. 
Do you want wisdom? Do you want knowledge? Do you want salvation? A rich store? It is found in the fear of the Lord, in reorienting your lives to Him, in honoring Him, not in abject fear as in terror of God, but in appropriate response of reverence to the reality that He is God and He owns all things and He is the storehouse. He is the one that we long for you. Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Where do I long for security? Where do I run for security? And if I'm honest with myself, it's not always first to the Lord. There are other things that I look to for security. God, help me, help us keep reorienting our lives. All right, second, simplicity and generosity. Simplicity and generosity is the second key point here that I want us to look into this morning. Looking at this scripture in Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Now these seem somehow disconnected, but in a moment you'll see how they are very connected to one another. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, we don't get it fully because our English translation doesn't help us so much. But this word unhealthy and the word healthy actually, this is very interesting. They have, they have two connotations. The word healthy has to do with two things. One is singleness of eye. Some of you have single in your translation. Singleness of eye rather than dive vision univision, rather than multivision, singular vision. The second connotation, which really doesn't show up in many of our English translations at all, but is very strongly embedded in the Greek word, is that of generosity. A healthy eye is a generous eye. It looks at things with a generous perspective. The unhealthy has to do with both what I mentioned earlier, kind of dive vision, multi-vision, blurred vision. They can't see singly, but it also means, very interestingly, it also means a miserly eye, a mean eye, a grinch eye. Or what is it in, uh, help me kids, in, uh, what's that, uh, uh, nah, nah. Dickens's Christmas, the Christmas Carol. What was his name? Help me, kids. Scrooge. With a Scrooge eye. It's, you know, we look at when we talk about envy being the green-eyed monster, we see things through a, a haze of green, right? Our eyes are unhealthy. So here's the, here's the question. The key here is, is the eye. The eye, the, eye direct, the eye is the thing that gets a hold of our attention. What is it that's grabbing our attention? So here's some questions for us. What catches my eye? Where do I focus my attention? Where do I look for security? Where am I looking for security? 
2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's take a, a look there. 2 Corinthians 8. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is incredible. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Listen, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. There's the singleness. The sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. It's been said, and I believe it's true, that one of the ways that you can test the health of your spiritual life is your generosity. It's getting really quiet, okay? We have a lot of other things that we, we, we talk about that we test our, the health, our spiritual health, but our spiritual health is definitely directly connected to this issue of generosity and singleness of heart. Excelling, not only in these other things, faith, knowledge, love, all of those things, that's good. Also in our generosity. Because true security comes as we look to God and trust in him out of their extreme poverty, it came overflowing gratitude and overflowing generosity. That's powerful to me. Oh God, help us to, to come to that place where we recognize that security is in not in what we hold on to, but in what we give away. All right, so here's the last thing, is this issue of loyalty. This issue of loyalty. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Okay, you can't serve both God and mammon. Mammon here, in your translations it may say money. In other translations it says mammon. It's really a personification of all of those things that go into a consumer materialistic financially based culture and it says you are going to have to choose you are going to have to choose your loyalty and what is loyalty what what loyalty means to you all right so the key here is your hands and your feet no one can serve so so we've gone from our heart issue which is of what is central of central importance to you to secondly what is your um what is your, uh, uh, your eye? What is, what's catching your eye? Where are you focusing your attention? What are you looking at? To now, what are you serving and whom are you serving? Because in the famous words of 
our poet Bob Dylan says, you got to serve somebody. you got to serve somebody. So who's the master of my attitudes and actions? Who's the master? In pre-marriage counseling, when we talk about money, I, I mentioned the fact that, that a lot of times the only question that we ask in terms of discernment question about doing stuff is, can I afford it? Well, that's one question, but it's not the only question. Because my wife and I can tell you clearly that there are times where we could not afford to do something that God directed us to do. And there were other times when we certainly could have afforded to do something and God said, no. So can I afford it leaves the answer to money. God, what do you have? You're my master. Am I primarily serving Myself, or am I primarily serving God and others? Ooh, ouch. Now you're getting really personal, Pastor. Well, yes. We all go through this process of discovery in our life that, you know, we really are not the center of the universe. It's, it's very bracing reality <laughs> to come to, right? Because, man, when you're, when you're a child, you really are. I mean... Levi may think he's the center of the universe, and right now, that's probably about appropriate for where he is at in his life, because, man, I go, ah, and somebody comes and feeds me and changes me, takes care of me, puts it, you know, whatever. I'm the center. That's, that's normal. But there's some 50, 60, 70-year-old, ah, babies. <laughs> Still think they're the center of the universe. We're not. You're not. Part of growing in maturity is recognizing you're not the center. And you are not primarily serving yourself, but you are called to serve God and others. So where do I labor for security is the question here. The first question is, where do I long for it? Where do I look for it? Now, where do I labor? Where am I investing my energy and my time and my life? Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Boys and girls, we're just about done. So we're just at the, almost at the end. So if you've got your worksheets, you can be finishing those up. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, every single one of us needs to go through this encounter. We need to go through a truth encounter where we recognize who Jesus Christ is. Many of us need to go through power encounters where the power of the Holy Spirit invades our lives and begins to, to do transformation of our lives. But we also need to go through an allegiance encounter where ultimately you and I have to choose who will be the master of my life. The master of my stuff, the master of all that I am, and the master of who I am the master of my life, who will it be? Paul says, I've died with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, remember, I don't, you remember that famous, and I'll probably misquote it just a little bit, but here's the gist of it. When, one time when he felt that 
Satan was, was sort of knocking at the door of his heart, wanting to come in. Martin Luther said, and, and saying, Martin, Martin, Martin. Martin Luther said, Martin Luther doesn't live here anymore. Christ lives in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I love this. Um, I want to read this to you. Um, Mark Buchanan. God wants to save us from the pain of living with a divided heart. Money or mammon, the spirit driving our nasty demand to hoard more money and more stuff makes a lousy God. As Mark Buchanan states, mammon is surly and brutish, rarely lets you get a good night's sleep. He brings with his gifts the sour aftertaste of ingratitude, it's not enough, or fear, it won't last, or insatiableness, I want more. Mammon outshouts God. It's hard to hear what God has put in your heart with mammon roaring. Jesus wants to set us free from this lousy God. And that's the motivation behind his blood, blunt directive to choose one master and one Lord. It's not because he's, God's not miserly. He's the exact opposite of that. Have you looked around you at his bounty? He is a bountiful God, fully generous, and he wants to be generous to you. He's not trying to hang on tight-fisted. He's trying to bring you into freedom. All right. The story of the rich young ruler. We're going to end here. So go to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. Quick story time as we close. I'm not going to preach this passage because I'll be preaching it later when we get to it in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. But just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Well, why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother and love your neighbors yourself. Well, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, remember last week we talked about be perfect, design perfect, that means be mature. If you want to grow up into the fullness of what I have for you, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you have followed me, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. So here's my final question to us this morning. 
am I willing to reorient my life away from being a consumer to being a contributor? Or will I be like the rich young ruler who walked away sad because he said no? Because when Jesus asked him the question about uh, which of the uh, commandments to keep, Jesus listed all of them except for that about greed, the commandment about greed, knowing his heart. And then he said, well, I've kept all of these. And then Jesus goes right to the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue, it wasn't that Jesus wanted the, the rich young ruler's stuff. Jesus wanted his heart. And he knew that his heart was wrapped up in his treasure. He wants our hearts today. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. Am I willing to move? It's the only way to true security. There is no tr true security found in stuff. Your safe ain't going to be big enough. Your securities aren't going to be large enough. It just won't. But God is enough. He is faithful. He is good. So this morning we're going to close with a, a song that says, In Christ Alone. My hope is found. I love this song. It's a great modern hymn. But as we sing it today, I'd like you to sing it with the understanding of what you've just heard and received from the Word of God. And you may need to sing it aspirationally, like God, I, I love that about Jesus. You know, when the, when the, when the man came to him looking, you know, he, he, the centurion, he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. They're, they're in us. God, God knows exactly where you're at today. And he's not nervous about that. He takes us where we are and moves us to where he is. He's faithful about that. And, and you know, maybe you're at the point of saying, well, I'm still, I'm, I'm, take a step today. Just begin the turning. And for some of us, perhaps we need to take a larger step. Maybe there's a, a step of, and, and, and Lynn talked about taking steps of faith today and, and that God has something wonderful, but you, sometimes you, in order to receive what he has, you've got to let go of what you've got. Because if you're doing this, it's hard to receive what he has. So, so maybe take a step of just opening your hands and opening your heart, opening your life today. And beginning that transformation from a consumer to a contributor from one who is walking in the kingdom of darkness to walking in the kingdom of light. And if you want to know more about that, you can come and talk to me or talk to, to Lynn, who's right here in the front row, or Jenna Ruby, who you heard story earlier today, or others here would love to tell the story to you about what Jesus has done in their lives and how transformation has come. Can we stand together this morning? And before we sing this, I just want to invite us to open our hands and together pray. Because we're kind of, we're, we're right here in, in deep stuff this morning. We're deep, we're, we're, in, we're, in, we're in deep heart issues today. And let me tell you, mammon does not let go easily. But he's, I want to tell you as well, he's a lousy God. 
He's a lousy God. I want you to know that we got a good God. He has been faithful, and he will be faithful. He is always faithful. So if you just open your hands right now. Lord Jesus, we just, we just want to turn our hearts from being consumers to being contributors. God, we, we, we need you to help reorient us today. And Lord, we recognize that, that Lord, mammon has a, has a grip on us. But Jesus, we desire that your grip would be even greater and stronger and begin to change our hearts today. Begin the process of transformation, I pray. Father, we give you praise, honor, thanks, and glory that you met with us here today, Lord. You came and you did what you said you would do, Father. You gave us what we needed for the week. And we go from here, Lord, with full faith and assurance that we have what we need for the, for the road. We have what we need for the week. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. We exalt you, King of kings, Lord of lords, God above all gods, Lord. There is none like you in heaven or earth. There is none like you. And, Lord, we give you praise as we go from this place sent to make disciples of all nations, Lord. Let us go with your banner held over our heads, Lord. Let us go with your love in our hearts, Lord, with your light burning in our souls, Father, and with your word in our tongues so that we can speak a word in season to those that are weary, Father. We give you praise and thanks and glory. Be with us this week, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.